Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ethel Jean. And I'm Sadie Mae. And welcome back to the Sam and Ash Experience. Geriatric edition. <laughs> welcome back, damn it. <laughs> Just kidding. It's Sam. And Ash. Um, today is a good day. Even though it's rainy. Okay, first of all, I asked you if it was going to rain, and the little weather app told us wrong. I'm telling you, bro. Like, why you got a lot of people? It's one of those Texas summer floods that only last for 10 minutes. Yes. Anyway, so today is actually my brother's gender reveal party. Y'all. So I'm so excited. I'm team girl because I'm petty. And I'm team boy because I just want a boy. <laughs> so. I mean, I want a boy too, but I'm just petty. Yeah, but you've been petty your whole life, though. Listen, since 1985, why stop now? (laughs) (sighs) But anyway, Jesus. Yeah, we're not going to keep y'all too long with all the banter. We are. Two hours later, it's still going to be going on. (laughs) I love how we say it. Let's skip right into it. Proceeds to talk for 30 more minutes. Nothing. Okay, so what you got for me today? So what I got for you today, bitch. These hands. That is quite true. I always got these hands locked and loaded for you. But no. Today I got Hans Schmidt. Hans. Oh Hans. Oh Hans. Anyway, he is known as the killer priest or the malevolent priest. Ugh. Yeah. So it's something about priests and Priests or and like nuns. nuns that creep me. And children. And children's. No goes. No go. No thanks. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you. But, yes. That's what's going down today. Do you have any shout outs? Um, not really. Just to our OG peeps. Right. Every time. Just know we love you guys. We're so close, like I said, to 400. I'm so excited. Listen, every time she checks it, it's like (laughs) $3.99. And holding. <laughs> but just stick with us. Listen. It's getting better. We get better with age. Like we'll find one. one. <laughs> and but, hopefully we're going to get some new equipment. Maybe yes. one day. We're, I'm hoping like the first of the year. Yeah. We'll get some, like some better equipment. Maybe like an actual spot to where we can just. That's all we do in this spot is just do podcasts, yeah. whatever. I'm hoping for the first of the year. We're going to put that into existence. It's in the universe. You Thank you. You got the chance. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go. All right. So today's little ditty. About Jack and Diane. Diane. No, not by Jack and Diane. It's by Hans. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hans Schmidt. All right. So... Hans Schmidt was born in the Bavarian town of, of Schaffenberg. Why do you always pick the hardest places to say? Because it's a challenge. Chill. <laughs> he was born to a Protestant father and a Catholic mother. So, just to warn everybody right now, this literally goes from he was born to escalation really quick. <laughs> like, it... It wastes no time. Right. So, and it's already messed up from the beginning because both sides of the family, his mother and father's side of the family, had a long history of mental illness. That's fine. Great. 
it happens to the best of us. <laughs> I mean, I'm still kicking. Had it more than anybody yet. <laughs> <laughs> so true. From early on, Schmidt combined a deep religious devotion with bisexual promiscuity and a fascination with blood and dismemberment. Okay. Again, he was born. Escalation. (laughs) So he was down for Jesus, but a little blood and mutilation and bisexual, what, you know, different kinds for different folks. Right, right? different strokes. shaming nobody. (laughs) Different strokes for different folks, but let me tell you, he takes it to a whole different level. That's fine. It's great. Hans, according to relatives, once beheaded... <laughs> oh my gosh, that laugh. <laughs> she's, y'all, she's been in this too long if she's gonna laugh about beheading. No, but it was so stupid because when I read it, you're gonna be like... <laughs> you're probably gonna laugh because I laughed so hard when I heard this. According to his relatives, he once beheaded two of his parents' geese and kept their severed heads in his pocket. So he That's just walking fun. around, bebopping down the street with a freaking geese head. Geese head in his pockets. Just gallivanting around town. <laughs> yes, that'll be $5, please. Oh, hold on. Oh, wait. Sorry. Wrong pocket. That was my geese head. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm telling you. Oh, Jesus. So, not only did he was bebopping around town with his head in his pocket, he frequented the local slaughterhouse daily. Not weekly, not monthly, not semi-monthly. Daily. To watch the dissection and dismemberment of animals with disturbing fascination. Little kid just... Standing there, looking like Captain Morgan, his leg just cocked up. Just so, do you just stick it in there and just pop it, or what do you <laughs> like? Oh nobody knows this little kid just sitting there, just watching all I this. I see like a fascination with it's a fine line. You know what? I mean? Like kids are yeah. naturally curious, and yeah. if you have a butcher, it's natural for kids to want to see like how it's done or whatever. But whenever they, you know squash that and watch it and see how it's done and they're like okay but this child is going in there every day every single freaking day monday through sunday just chilling now we all know from early age he had some screws loose Uh, and everyone that knew him didn't think he was mentally or morally suitable to be ordained as a catholic priest but yet (laughs) but Supposedly, on December 23rd, 1904, Bishop Kirstein of Mainz ordained him as a priest. Supposedly. Allegedly. That's <laughs> my favorite word. Sam's favorite word. Allegedly, he was ordained as a Catholic priest. He, as in Schmidt, will recall that, and these are his words, the bishop ordained me alone. The real ordination took place the night before when St. Elizabeth herself ordained me so i could see like oh well you know the saint that came down ordained me so therefore i am yep listen i feel that (laughs) shut up how do you feel that because it happened to me once 
in my past life. It probably did, because, you know, we've lived many lives many in lives. one life. Okay, he said, I was praying at my bedside when she appeared to me and said, I ordain you to the priesthood. <laughs> That's all she said. Jesus, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Were there shrooms involved? <laughs> no, there was no shrooms or involved. medicinal marijuana. No, <laughs> it was nothing. He was just, that, it was just him. In his true form, okay? He also says, there was a light during her appearance. I told no one. I thought it best to keep it to myself. They will make fun of me. They always made fun of me for these things. They always expect others to do as they do. God speaks to people in different ways. I understand that he speaks to people in different ways, but let me tell you something. No. I feel like if you're out there doing not so christiany things right that he's not gonna just be out there being like hey i'm gonna let you do god's work real quick even though he did pick out the not so classy people of the world to do his bidding right but yeah but he can he kind of uh he kind of messed up on this one said while doing parish assignments in the villages of burgle and Sealingstock. Schmidt was doing the absolute most. I mean, the absolute most. One, he was molesting altar boys. <laughs> Two, he had several affairs with several women and even consorted with prostitutes. That's, that's just great. That's what fine. scares me is that religion is supposed to be, like, pure. A pure thing. But, but then you have all these priests that are doing not-so-good things. It's like... You're, I mean, just because you're doing the Lord's work doesn't mean that you're above everybody. Yeah. And you're still going to be judged for it in the, in the end, so great. He started getting complaints from parishioners and fellow priests concerning the way he was holding Mass in his sermons. So basically, when I read this, or actually when I was listening to this, he was, it was just the way he was holding it. It's like, it didn't make sense to anybody the way he was holding it. So he was just like kind of all over the place. So he was just freestyling it pretty much. Well, listen. He said he had a vision. Child. So I don't think he was sound of mind. No, he wasn't sound of mind. So when it was clear that he would not be receiving any more assignments from the diocese, he immigrated to the U.S. in 1909. His first assignment was to St. John's Roman Catholic Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He got into it with the senior pastor which resulted in his transfer to St. Boniface's Church in NYC. In 1912, Hans met Anna Amuller, a housekeeper in St. Boniface's rectory, who immigrated to the U.S. from the Austro-Hungarian Empire in 1910. Schmidt, who I said in the beginning, had a few screws loose, not a couple, but a few. He claimed that God spoke to him and ordered him to love Anna. Now, he didn't say anything about marriage or anything. Like that, just to love her. Right. So, basically, he was going to be forcing his love on her, pretty much. Just to let you know. At first, she refused his advances, but eventually she started a secret sexual relationship with Schmidt. <laughs> which is also fine, because that's what we do in these streets. In church. In these streets. <laughs> in December of 1912... Schmidt was also having a homosexual relationship with a New York dentist 
by the name of Ernest Muret, with whom he also operated a counterfeiting ring. Not only are we having sex out in these streets, we also counterfeit. Right. <laughs> Not just sex, but homosexual sex and And we're counterfeiting. Counterfeit. Whatever. I mean I mean thanks. Well you happen. already break one sin, might as well just let's just go all out. <laughs> Schmidt la- later claimed that he enjoyed sex with Murette more than Anna. And that's just a slap in the damn face. Listen. I'd have been mad. Sometimes. I'd have been mad as hell. <laughs> Let my man say something like that. I'd be alright. Mm-hmm. You sure alright. Hans was transferred to St. Joseph's Church in Manhattan. Even though he was transferred to a different church. In which later on Anna actually followed Hans to that church as well. That's how they continued this relationship. Because at first I thought that she stayed at St. Boniface's, but later on it says that she also transferred to. Was the dentist still there? The dentist was a dentist. He was working in people's mouths and stuff. Wow. <laughs> no comments. No comments. <laughs> supposedly. Uh, no, wait. Huh? Supposedly, too, because they said that they weren't even sure that he was actual real dentist. So he was just that everything. The story is going. I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) Even though, like I said, even though he was transferred to a different church, Hans and Anna continued to have a sexual relationship and was later revealed that they were even married in a secret ceremony that Schmidt performed himself. That's fine. It's great. You're already counterfeiting. Have a homosexual uh, relationship. relationship. Tell your old broad that she prefers the old dude. Right, but then y'all secretly get married. Like, what is going on? (laughs) This story is... This story is a shit show all in its own. During a sexual encounter... And this is stupid. During a sexual encounter on the high altar of St. Joseph's Church... That's fine, too. Schmidt received... What he claimed was a command from God to sacrifice Anna. Alright, so God said, hey, you need to love Anna. While having sex on an altar at church. And then God was like, hey guys, let's kill her now. Like, <laughs> like I don't understand. Like, why do you want to kill her now? I don't, I don't understand what's going on. He said that the command was repeated so insistently that Schmidt told Anna what God supposedly said. Who in turn, she called him crazy. If I my man was ever like, hey, I'm, I'm, we're on this altar, get busy. And he just looks at me and was like, God told me to kill you. I'd be like, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> my Uber's here. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Time for me to clock on out. <laughs> my, my Uber's here. I have an appointment across town. <laughs> I gotta get my wig sewed back in so it doesn't fly off. And that's why I said, always secure your wigs. Forever. Soon after she called him crazy, she just informed him that she was pregnant. That's fine. You know, things happen. On the night of... Okay. This is a trigger warning. This is pretty gruesome. As to what's going to happen. On the night of September 2nd, 1913, 
Hans went to the apartment they rented while posing as a married couple, even though they were supposedly married anyway. He slashed Anna's throat while she slept. Jesus. Drank her blood. Raped her as she bled to death. Dismembered her. Threw the pieces of her body from a ferry in the Hudson River. He then went to church, conducted mass, and administered communion light. Nothing happened. He First was, of all, how did he get the pieces on the... That's what I'm saying. Okay. And just be throwing them over there like... Like, <laughs> confetti! <laughs> I don't know. Sir? Sir? Do not feed the... What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. Sir, is that a hand? <laughs> Child, I don't know. Just like everybody else, it's a mannequin. Don't ask about it. Right? Oh my god. Like, I don't know. I don't know how he blatantly just took her body on pieces of her body on this ferry and was just throwing them off the side of the boat as they crossing the Hudson. I don't know how he transported all of that. Right. I'm not sure. Because I'm sure she's a human body. You would think that it would be obvious that he's over there throwing a human body off the boat. Right. Unless there wasn't that many people on the boat. Oh, somebody had to see. There's Turned a blind eye. They were like, Would you? Would you do the bystander effect? Listen. Honestly? No, I'd have been like, Sir, what are you doing? Look, I'd have been all over there. Look, I'd have been getting closer and closer. <laughs> Just been getting closer and closer. So I'm like right up on him. Then I've been like right over his shoulder. What you doing? I <laughs> got scared. You would have got got. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got stabbed just that quick. Oh, God. After pieces of Anna's torso washed up at Cliffside Park in Weehawken, New Jersey. Weehawken. Weehawken. Name my dog that. Weehawken! <laughs> <laughs> Hudson County detectives found a price tag still attached to the pillowcase that held parts of the body. Using good old-fashioned detective work... They traced the pillowcase to a factory that sold exclusively to a furniture dealer named George Sachs. The case was then taken over by NYPD and assigned to Detective Joseph Foro. The dealer was unable to recall the number of pillowcases sold, but after looking at receipts, they revealed a bedspring, mattress, pillows, and pillowcases were sold on August 26, 1913 to a man named A. Van Dyke and had arranged that his purchases be delivered to his third-story apartment at 68 Bradhurst Avenue. After questioning the building superintendent, he revealed that the apartment in question was occupied by a married couple. The husband was described as a man with a heavy German accent who gave his name as H. Schmidt. So when a three-day stakeout revealed no one coming or going from the apartment, Inspector Foro asked Detective Frank Cassassa, to break into the apartment. A cursory search found that the floor had been recently scrubbed, but large amounts of dry blood were found on the walls. A large blood-stained knife was also found on the kitchen shelf. Men's clothing with the name A. Van Dyke sewn into the lining was found, as were letters in both German and English addressed to Hans Schmidt. Many of the letters were from women in Germany. The largest number, however, were from an Anna Almuller, whose most recent address was listed as 428 
East 70th Street. I can never ever say that. Inspector Foro and Detectives Cassassa and O'Connell visited the address and learned that Anna had moved out after receiving a job as a housekeeper at St. Boniface's Church. Foro and the detectives then visited St. Boniface's Church and were told by the senior pastor, Friar John Braun, that Anna had been his housekeeper but had transferred to St. Joseph's Church. Upon being asked if he knew the name of Hans Schmidt, Friar Braun described him as a priest who had formerly been assigned to St. Boniface's Church but had also moved to St. Joseph's. Inspector Foro and Detectives Cassassa and O'Connell arrived at St. Joseph's Rectory at 1.30 p.m. After Foro pounded on the door, the senior pastor, Friar Daniel Quinn, opened the door, led them into the parlor, and woke Schmidt. Upon being confronted by the inspector and the detectives, Schmidt admitted, I killed her! I killed her because I loved her! Like, who ah. freaking does that? It's implausible to me. It's stupid. Like, how do you kill somebody that you love? That's like the whole passion defense. Right. Like, if I can't have her, then nobody else can because I love them so much that I feel like they should just be for me. That right. just makes no sense. Schmidt then described the murder and dismemberment in detail. As his fellow priests watched in horror, Schmidt was taken into police custody. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> Can you see him like, I was supposed to conduct mass tonight. Right. <laughs> I was on the hand out the crackers. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. All right. A medical, media, medical. <laughs> a medical. A medical. A media spectacle ensued as the New York papers competed against each other with an even greater degree of sensationalism regarding the case. Sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. After feigning insanity during the first trial, which ended with a hung jury, Schmidt was eventually convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death in the electric chair. Old Sparky. Old Spark. During Schmidt's first trial, Schmidt feigned insanity. On top of this, his defense team using Schmidt's claims of hearing voices to try to convince the jury of, of their client's insanity. The defense also claimed that insanity run in Schmidt's family, in which it does. They called one witness, a psychologist named Smith Eli Jellyfee, to testify that Schmidt's family tree showed up to 60 near or distant relatives who displayed signs of mental instability and therefore Schmidt could not be put to death because he too was insane. Wow. I said, man, you got 60 people on both sides of your family. You're just doomed. You're just riddled with right. <laughs> insanity. I'm telling you. Well, I guess that gives me hope. There's not that many in each side. Good I mean, lord. Close, but shut up. <laughs> the prosecution called in other witnesses, including doctors who had examined Schmidt while he awaited trial and concluded that contrary to his efforts to convince authorities otherwise, and contrary to Schmidt's ramblings about voices telling him to commit murder against Amula, Schmidt was sane. However, the prosecution's efforts were in vain. At the conclusion of the trial in December of 1913, the jury could not 
come to a decision after deliberating for several days, so he had a hung jury. The second trial occurred approximately two weeks later, on February 5, 1914, after three hours of deliberation, a jury found Schmidt guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to death and sent to Sing Sing Prison to await execution. Schmidt's defense team filed an appeal shortly after his sentence, which postponed his execution for at least a year while it worked its way through the courts. In December of 1914, Schmidt admitted that he feigned insanity during his trials. Um, in admitting so, However, he also pinned the murder on the dentist who, with whom he had a homosexual affair, Ernest Muret. Oh, he ain't call him all the way out. Listen. And then try to pin something on him. <laughs> Listen. Do you know, I'm telling you, Muret was, I know he was pissed. Right. Oh, I know he was pissed. Not only did we have a homosexual relationship, but he killed my wife and we're doing money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> And we counterfeiting these tens in the streets. <laughs> Lord gee, oh my God. Schmidt claimed that he allowed authorities to pursue him for the murder rather than Murat because he wanted to cover for his friend. Oh, and look, you know Murat, he's you know Murat, he's already pissed. He's like, oh, we friends now. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, so we friends now. Okay, got you. Mm-hmm. You show right. Schmidt's appeals were ultimately unsuccessful. On February 18, 1916, he was executed in the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison. To this day, he remains the only Catholic priest to be executed for murder in the United States. Wow. That is, that is so crazy, that though. That is crazy. But, here's another twist. He was really Batman. No, apart from killing his young pregnant wife, Further investigation revealed that Schmidt had a second apartment where he had set up his counterfeiting workshop. That's, the, oh. that's number one. But authorities also suspected Schmidt of the murder of Alma Kellner, who was nine at the time, whose body was found buried in the basement of St. John's Church in Louisville, Kentucky, where Schmidt had previously worked. So... St. John's was the first church he went to when he got to the United States. Yeah. They suspected that she that he killed this little nine-year-old and buried in the basement. Nasty. The body had been burned, but authorities suspected the killer had initially tried to dismember her. The janitor, whose name was Joseph Windling, was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for the murder based on circumstantial evidence and bloody clothing found in his house. Listen, though... Just be real. That's scary. How, like, some people... I bet half the people in the prisons are in there for circumstantial evidence that really... There's a lot. Isn't that scary to think that you could be blamed for somebody's murder? Mm -hmm. There's a a lot of people who in there that probably are innocent, been in there 15 plus years and still there. Yeah. Still there or on death row. That's crazy. But it happens all the time. Yeah. It's not uncommon to see that. All right. That was a crazy case. He was born. Escalation. Right. <laughs> Conclusion. <laughs> Anyways, so we're going to get off of here so we can get ready. Yeah. Um. So remember, we still have our socials. We have our Facebook fan page. We have, uh, which is the Sam and Ash Experience. 
we have uh, email, which is samandash.expodcast at gmail.com. Yep. So we hope you keep it classy. Keep it sassy. And don't get murdered. Definitely don't get murdered. Or have a counterfeit ring. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a thing. Or go around murdering folks after mass. That's fine. (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, bye.